From Schwartz Media, I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. Earlier this year, climate activist Joanna Partica illegally spray-painted Woodside's logo on a painting in the Art Gallery of Western Australia to call for an end of the company's controversial Burrup Hub project. Behind plexiglass, the artwork wasn't harmed, but the action drew plenty of criticism, and Joanna was charged and found guilty of criminal damage. Her interaction with the police didn't end there. Soon, WA's counter-terrorism unit came knocking. Today, protester and contributor to the Saturday paper, Joanna Partica, on radical protesting and why climate activists in WA are being punished. It's Thursday, September 21st. Joanna, in January this year, you went into the Art Gallery of Western Australia with a can of yellow spray paint. Can you talk me through what happened that day, how you prepared and what you were intending to do? Yeah, so that day, um, it feels like a lifetime ago, actually, um, just in terms of everything that's happened since then. But I, I just remember feeling very nervous. I think I was maybe a little dissociated, um, just running on adrenaline, running on autopilot, and mostly just afraid that I'd somehow be caught out before anything could actually happen. I walked into the art gallery with a large sketch pad, which concealed a stencil of the Woodside Energy logo, And I also had a small spray can in my jacket pocket. It felt very strange walking into the gallery that day knowing what I was going to do. I I, I kind of wandered around the gallery for a bit. The painting that was chosen as the target, um, it is Frederick McCubbin's Down on His Luck, which is a an iconic colonial era painting. It plays a big role, I think, in in WA's identity. Everybody sort of learns about it in high school. I have memories of learning about it in high school and seeing it at the art gallery. I kept an eye on the uh, gallery attendants who were sort of roaming around as they do, and once the gallery attendant was out of view, I... um, Yeah, I pulled out the stencil, pulled out the spray can, and off I went. After I spray painted the logo onto the painting, I glued my hand onto the wall of the gallery. And then uh, another campaigner, a First Nations man, Des Blurton, who accompanied me um, in the protest, rolled out an Aboriginal flag on the floor in front of the painting and did an acknowledgement of country. This is Bidman I pay my respects to my elders and my ancestors. And talked about uh, the impact of Woodside's Barrap Hub on First Nations culture and history. This painting barely 100 years old. We have five 50,000 year old artwork that Woodside is destroying. And that 
was kind of it. It just, it happened really quickly. Um, yeah. Mm, it sounds like a, a very nerve wracking, almost like out of body experience where you're sort of observing yourself do this thing that you never thought you would do. Describe to me what happened after you did the action. Were you escorted from the gallery? What happened next? Yeah, yeah, sure. I could see that, you know, security people were mobilising around us. The gallery had obviously contacted police and the police were on their way. So after the police turned up, I was arrested and escorted out of the building into a paddy wagon taken to the Perth Watch House. And I spent, I think, maybe five or six hours in lockup. When I was released, I was charged with criminal damage and released on a surety bail. I went out onto the street and there were camera crews waiting to speak to me in the discussions that I, or in the questioning that I was taken through with some of the the media pack, they had referenced comments that the Premier had made about my actions and that was very strange, very surreal to know that something that I had done had had such a far-reaching impact and that so many people had something to say about it. Um, yeah, had a lot of um, a lot of messages from people I knew who were cheering me on. I also had a lot of messages from from strangers who were expressing their desire for me to go and die and, um, you know, berating me for being a terrible person. So it was a mixed bag, but it, I was, it was very much on, on a high after being released. So, Joanna, what made you want to take this action at the art gallery earlier this year? Well, the intention of the action was to really spark a conversation and uh, draw attention to what is happening at the Barat Peninsula, which is known as Murujuga to traditional custodians. Uh, the plans that Woodside have for Murujuga uh, will uh, extend over 50 years. Uh, it will pump 6 billion tonnes of deadly CO2 into the atmosphere. It's an unconscionable decision in the context of the climate crisis. And on top of that, Murujuga is a deeply sacred place that contains the largest and oldest collection of First Nations rock art in the world. And after this happened, you pled guilty for what you did. You were fined a few thousand dollars. You also had to pay the gallery some compensation. And I guess that would have seemed like the end of the, the action and the chapter sort of closing. But then not long after, six police officers showed up at your house. Can you tell me what happened? Yeah, so it was really only just a couple of weeks after my court hearing, everything was over. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a knock at the door and it was six members of WA's counter-terror police, the state security investigation group, who um, arrived at my apartment and placed me under arrest to execute a search warrant. The police seized my phone and my laptop. They asked me to provide my password. 
my understanding was essentially that they wanted to copy all of the contents of my devices onto their police servers. While I was still under arrest, I got to speak to my lawyer and they advised me at the time not to comply with the request to hand over my passwords. And so I took that advice. And then as a result of not providing them with my passwords, they then followed up with two data access orders, one for each device, which essentially is a court order forcing me to hand over my passwords. And I was given a week to comply with that, which I chose not to comply with. And uh, as a result of that, I was charged for failing to obey those data access orders, which is um, why I'm now facing trial today. And since that raid, I've generally felt quite uneasy and unsettled, both in my my apartment and uh, in my life generally. It's it's really, I think, had an impact on, on my mental health and the way that I move through the world. After the break, do radical protests help or hinder the climate movement? The Saturday Paper's food editors are some of the country's leading chefs, including Andrew McConnell, Otama Carey, David Moyle and Karen Martini. Let them guide your cooking when you sign up to Schwartz Media's free weekly newsletter, The Food. It features the latest recipe from the Saturday paper, along with a selection of seasonal dishes suitable for all cooks. Subscribe today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For longtime editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for. Please, <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very pro-therapy on yeah, this. Yeah, if, that's, no, if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Joanna, this request for you to give the police access to your data, it comes as climate protesters in WA have been facing increasing prosecution for speaking out. Can you tell me a bit about what's happening in WA and why there has been an escalation with police cracking down on protesters? Yeah, I think we're seeing that crackdown in a way that we're not in other states. As a state, we've based uh, not only the majority of our economy on fossil fuels, but our identity is built upon that industry as well. We haven't yet followed the lead of other states when it comes to the explicit anti-protest laws we've seen passed in places like New South Wales or Tasmania or um, South Australia most recently. But it's becoming evident, A, that, uh, that WA may follow suit, but B, that the authorities here don't even need those laws to crack down in a really oppressive way and what I feel is a really undemocratic way against climate protesters. 
Legislative changes would give police greater powers to search for meth and other illegal drugs at 22 port, road and rail entry points around the state, boosting their ability to tackle drug trafficking networks. We're seeing that, you know, with Disrupt Bar Up Hub in particular, we are being treated as bikies. We're being investigated by the same unit of the police that investigates bikies. Under the proposed laws, police will now be able to search vehicles at specific roads, such as this one at Jandicott Airport, without reasonable suspicion. And so there are fears that that these uh, search power laws could extend to climate protesters. And you work for the Greens in the office of Federal Senator Jordan Steele-John, but you felt it was necessary to do something quite radical in your action. Do you think mainstream politics and those in power can't actually prevent the climate crisis? Um, No, well, actually, to the contrary, I think they're the only ones who actually can. They're just not getting the message. Or maybe more accurately, they're they're not acting on the message or they're not hearing the message. I think our our political system is deeply, deeply flawed, but this is the system we have and we need to work within it and we need good progressive ideas and people pushing those ideas to work within the system. But also having worked within the political system for more than five years, I'm very cognisant of the many constraints of the system, a central one of which is that our major parties are bought out by industry and therefore hamstrung from pursuing anything that doesn't directly serve industry. And as a result, I have felt the need to act outside of the system. And I think that acts of dissent, like the work of Disrupt, Bar Up Hub, are critical to the health of the political system and to democracy itself. This type of protest, you know, whether it's spray painting or throwing cans of soup at paintings and all of that, it is really controversial because lots of people, you know, even really pro-climate action people, they don't like this type of protest, they don't see it as being effective and they dislike the idea of damaging art. What do you say to that argument that you're not protesting in the right way? Yeah, that's a common criticism um, that I've received that, um, you know, people support the cause but they don't support the method that's, you know, that's their prerogative. Um, But I think that whether someone supports the disruptive tactics of Disrupt Bar Up Hub or whether they don't. You know, it's September now. Uh, the art gallery action that I undertook happened in, in January. We are still talking about that action nine months down the track. I think that is pretty strong evidence that it is effective and the action is continuing to serve its purpose, which is to put Woodside and the Bar Up Hub on the map. Certainly spray painting Woodside's logo onto a painting is not going to, you know, result in in Woodside deciding not to pursue their project. It's not going to result in the WA or federal government 
making any kind of policy change that prevents the project from going ahead. It's part of a broader campaign that seeks to mobilise enough people to join Disrupt Bar Up Hub. We get a big uptick in people signing up to our list and expressing interest in, in joining and being part of an action. Uh, and so that's really exciting. I've found there's no better way to spend my time, especially when it comes to this overwhelming crisis that we face. There's no better antidote to hopelessness than action. Joanna, thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Also in the news today, Australia has joined with 31 countries to argue that Russia should face charges at the International Court of Justice in The Hague over its invasion of Ukraine. Foreign Minister Penny Wong said Australia was joining the push because Russia must be held to account for its illegal and immoral invasion of Ukraine. And the Victorian government has announced the first Australian levy on short-stay accommodation platforms like Airbnb. The 7.5% levy was announced by the Premier, Daniel Andrews, and is expected to raise about $70 million each year that will be spent annually to fund social and affordable housing. I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. We'll be back again tomorrow.